Well, about five or six years ago, when we first moved to Ottawa and specifically to Orleans, the other side of the planet, we didn't know a soul. We didn't know anybody in the area. I had no friends. I was hoping you'd have some compassion, yes. But I can now say that I have at least one friend in Orleans. Maybe two. Are you from Orleans? <laughs> and I contacted him a couple of weeks ago because I asked him, I said, could you send me a picture of your personalized license plate? And so he did. Here it is. You're full of sound effects this morning, aren't you? I can't wait to go forward. Anyway, he actually took the liberty to send me a second picture that I didn't really ask for. And he sent me the second picture knowing that for me as a kid growing up in Saskatchewan, there was only one sports team, professional sports team to cheer for, and of course that was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders because that was the only professional team there is in the entire province. But my friend, my new friend in Orleans, in those days, he actually he played for the Ottawa Rough Riders. Why they had the same team name, I'll never know. Maybe Saskatchewan always wanted to be like Ottawa. Maybe, maybe that's why, I'm not really sure. But anyway, he, he ran a fake punt that went for a gazillion yards to help beat the real riders in what was the Grey Cup championship game. And I'm still constantly reminded of this painfully around every Grey Cup game because they always show the highlights of it, always of it. So this is the second picture that he sent me. And for those of you that may know Jerry Organ, and if you, you saw his license plate, you, you would probably think that it has everything to do with football. But it doesn't. It has everything to do with what we're talking about today. Okay, enough about that picture. I've seen enough of that one. Right. Back, bam, back to the license plate. Back to this one. But what I love about this is that it's a, it's a great conversation starter. It's a great conversation piece to introduce, you know, somebody to, to the gospel. And in fact, if you, were, if you were behind him, let's say, at a stoplight, and you focused on this license plate, wouldn't you be curious? curious? So I, wonder, I wonder what that's referring to, one goal. What does what he, you know, what does that actually depict? What does he mean by that? What's that referring to? Or as I say, if you could interact with him, it's a great conversation piece. It's a great conversation. It reminds me of, a, of someone who has a tattoo on the inside of his, on his forearm. It takes up the entire forearm on his inner forearm. And it is Leviticus 19.28. You don't even have to be a religious person to be curious, right? You'd, somebody could just be curious and say, hey, what, what is that about? What is that actually referring to? What is it about? And it's, as I say, it's another great conversation starter. 
it's a conversation piece to actually introduce the gospel. Do you know what Leviticus 19.28 says? Some of you are Googling it right now. I, 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 I know you are. Leviticus 19:28. If someone were to, ask, you know, if someone were to ask him, and he, after seeing it on his forearm, he would say, "Oh, that, that's the verse in the Bible that says, whatever you do, don't get a tattoo." We don't have time to get into it this morning, and why that verse was spoken of back then, and, and why it's there. We don't have time this morning, but you need to understand the context. Don't quote that to somebody unless you can explain the context. But the tattoo, Leviticus 19, 28, it's a great conversation piece to point somebody towards Jesus. Back to the license plate. One goal. Would you say that you have a goal in life? One, one person does. If you could boil life down to one goal, could you do it? Some people might actually frame it a little bit differently. Some people would say that they have a mission statement in life. Even corporations and companies, businesses, they come up with a, a mission statement to help clearly define who they are and what they are about. And so they develop a mission statement about, about who they are. And as Peter Drucker once said, if you can't succinctly say it and put it on the front of a t-shirt, it's probably too long and not worth stating. Do you know what Arlington Woods' mission statement is? Okay, now that came from a woman, and I know that you women were here last week because I watched Pastor Mike. I, he talked about last week, so us guys that weren't here. Yeah, but yes, that, can we all say it together? To know Christ and to make his love known. Wow, you know it. That's good. That's great. But coming up with a, a personal mission statement or a one goal, one goal in your life, is worth thinking about because it can serve as a, as a reminder or as a guideline for you to remain true about who you are and what you are about. And the Apostle Paul, he helps us with this. In a letter that he wrote to believers in Philippi, a letter that has some of the most rich verses in all of the New Testament. It's a letter that is thought to be Paul's happiest letter, his happiest one. And think about that. Where, where is Paul in writing this letter? Where is he? He's in, yeah, he's in prison. And not only is he in prison, but you think about everything that he's been through. He has been beaten for his faith. He's, he's received 39 lashes. He's been stoned. He's been shipwrecked three times. He's a person who has been through a lot, and yet he has never really wavered or gotten off course from his one goal that we're going to learn about this morning. 
regardless of whatever it is that he's been through and what he's actually currently going through right now, being in prison, he has not gotten off course of his one goal. Things that could have derailed him. His joy is not found in circumstances. Last week, Pastor Mike, in, as I say, what was mostly a, a sanctuary full of women. Did, did you miss the 50 guys that were on retreat? There was one woman that said no, and I'm not going to tell you whose wife that was, okay? I'm, but I couldn't help notice that Pastor Mike, he had this perpetual grin on his face throughout his entire message, although it might have had something to do with him still licking his chops from eating that cupcake that he was, he was devouring you know, during the service. But he spoke about Paul in knowing Christ. In the high privilege and surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus Christ as his master, personally and and firsthand, experiencing his resurrection power, along with being a person that was suffering along in, in Christ's sufferings. And now Paul says this. He says this in chapter 3, verse 12. He says this. Now, now that I have, not that I have already obtained all of this. In other words, he's saying, you know, it's not like I have arrived and I have this all together. I don't have it all made. It's not like I've become all of a sudden complete and, and mature. No, he says. But he is eager to drink deeply of the well of living water. And then he finishes off this statement with what is chock full of, of meaning and truth. He says this. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The word press, I press, I, I press on. That word means that he is, gathering, he is gathering up all of his self, all of his life, and he is pushing forward, he is pushing on. There's an intensity of focus. He's, he is in pursuit of a specific goal. And he says, you know what, I grasp. I, I press on because I've been grasped. I've been pressed. This idea that I take hold, but I take hold of that for which he has taken hold of me. There is this pressing on because Christ has pressed on. I take hold of because Christ has taken hold of me. It, it's not that Christ has taken hold of me because I've taken hold of him. No. It's that I am taking hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Christianity is not something that you take up. It is something that takes up you. Christianity is not something that starts with you. It is something that starts upon you. This is, it's important to grasp because you and I, we live in a world that 
basically says something totally different. You and I live in a culture where everywhere we turn, doesn't matter where you and I turn, there's always a similar message. And you know what the similar message always is? It starts with, starts with you. A couple of weeks ago, I was receiving this string of emails encouraging me to sign up for a, a seminar. And the seminar was entitled Abundance, Your Birthright. Sign up for this master class and you'll learn practices and principles so that you can live a life of abundance. Because if you take hold of them, it was saying, you know, if I, if I incorporate these practices and these principles, if I take hold of them, well then this, 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 and this will happen. And this book says the exact opposite. This book says it starts with Christ. It all starts there. That's where it starts. The Bible says that it starts with, with Christ. If you want to be a Christian, you can't make yourself one. No one can. Jesus said this. He said this in John 6, 44. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him or her. That's why Paul says, I only grasp, I only press on because Christ first impressed himself upon me. Through his Spirit, through the Holy Spirit that has been at work upon Paul's heart, Christ impressing himself upon, upon Paul. What I find interesting is that I've had some people say to me, you know, you know, I'm a Christian. I grew up in a household where, you know, I've always, I've, I've always believed in it. It's not that big of a deal. Well, you are not a Christian unless there has been something that has been drawing you, unless there is something outside of you that has been pressing down upon you. There has been someone that has been after you. Or I've had somebody say, you know what, I, I think Christianity, Christianity, it's a private thing. What I hate about, you know, all those born-again Christians is that that's all they want to talk about. But I think Christianity is a private thing. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to make a big fuss about it. It's just a private thing for me. I want to keep it just there. And what they're meaning by that is that, you know, really Christianity for them is just a piece of their life. It's like over here in a little compartment. It is over here in, in a separate kind of corner of their life. Kind of compartmentalized. It's not integrated. It just... It just hangs out over here in, in a certain corner of life. And Paul says, you know what Paul says? He's, Paul says no. To be a Christian is to, to gather up yourself, your whole self, your whole life, and push it forward and onward towards this, this specific, this, this one thing, towards this specific thing where in doing so you become so energized and 
and filled with great power. I press on, he says, to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. I want to show you something. Can you see that up there? Yeah? How about that? Can you see that? No, I can't see it either. It's okay. I'm going to draw a little stick man here. Yeah, I know. My artistry is... Pastor Ben says he couldn't wait to watch and see. Representing you and me, representing humanity. One of my pet peeves, pet peeves in life, and I know it's something I probably got to get over. Is with this word religion. Are you religious? Would you consider yourself a religious person? Somewhere, someplace, someone is going to refer to me as being religious. And I always want to say to them, what do you mean by religious? Because if you mean that I am somebody that believes in God, well then, yeah, I, I, I put my hope, my faith, my trust in the person of God. Yeah, well, if that's what you mean by it, fine, I, I'm good with that. But if you mean by being religious that I am someone who relies on some system of belief with rules or rituals, as a conduit to God, as, as our way to God, then I say, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that, I'm not religious. I don't believe that there is any one system or institution with which to connect with God. If God is up here and we are down here, world religions try to achieve their spiritual end goal to reach God. but they leave people wanting. True reality is God. Reaching us. He has been in pursuit of us. He is wooing us. He is drawing us by way of his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in and through the person of Jesus Christ. As we've mentioned here in John 6, 44, John 12 and John 12, 32 is similar. Jesus says, I draw all people to myself. I draw all people to myself, men, 
women, parents, children, grandchildren. I draw all people to myself. It's through him and the Holy Spirit that is tugging at our hearts, nudging, prompting, calling, convicting. Not, not just for the sake, you know, to take a step of faith and enter relationship with him, but also to, he is at work in our ongoing relationship with him. Not some sort of system of rules and regulations that leaves us spiritually bankrupt. Picture somebody that has a glass, glass of water. If you can picture me licking the outside of this glass, that's a picture of religion. It's a picture of religion to try and to try and quench my thirst, which it never will do. Religious people tend to focus on the glass and not its contents. They argue about which glass is better, and yet no one of them can actually quench their thirst. Religious people confuse the contents with the container. They confuse substance with structure. They confuse faith with form. And it happens to well-meaning people all the time. Paul says that when people taste of the living water, as he has, when people have tasted of God's goodness, God's presence, God's peace, God's contents, God's substance, God's power, God's love. All of which actually stems from God first being the initiator and wooing us, drawing us, being in pursuit of us. That's where it's all stemmed from. Paul says, I'm taking hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Every believer, every, every Christian, every person who has come to faith, everyone, someone, someone has been after you. He's come looking for you. He's been in pursuit of you. You didn't probably even probably realize it at the time. You probably had no idea. But at some point, at some point, he actually captured your heart and he whisked you away. Every, every person in Christ, it's an incredible adventure. Do you sense that? Do you sense that? Or do you say, I don't know what you're talking about. I go to church, I go to men's retreats, I go to women's retreats. Well, not me. But maybe there's even a women's retreat for you women coming up. I, maybe I go to church, I, I, I serve, I serve over here, I serve over there. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about, Paul's talking about. 
He's, he's talking about a real life-giving connection and adventure in knowing Christ that far surpasses anything else. So much so that as a result, he is reaching for more and more of Christ because he has so wondrously reached out for him. Paul then goes on to say this. I spent 15 minutes on one verse. It's okay, I'm almost done. Paul goes on to say this in verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Meaning, don't get me wrong, he's saying, I'm not saying that I'm an expert in all of this. That's what he's meaning by that. He says, but this, but one thing, you know, one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting whatever is in my past, whatever is back there, I'm not dwelling on it. He's saying, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Have you, have you ever felt like quitting? Have you ever wanted to just kind of quit on something? Maybe even quit on faith? Maybe even life itself? Maybe you had some fleeting thoughts, maybe a thought or, or two that's just been kind of fleeting towards that? Maybe it hasn't been so fleeting? I have. More than once. Life can sometimes deal things at us, you know, at, at the best of times where it can just seem kind of overwhelming and, and we become disillusioned. Sometimes things happen in life and I can't explain why they did. I don't know why they did, but it's sometimes I've had thoughts, ah, why bother? There's been a temptation to quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. God often has something just around the corner if you don't quit. So don't quit. Gather yourself up and maybe even reach out to somebody whom you can trust and whom you can be honest with. But do whatever it takes. Don't quit. Gather yourself up in your whole life and press on, as Paul says, Straining toward what is ahead and pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called you, heavenward in Christ Jesus. The question is, what, what is the goal? That's the question. Because some people might say that the goal is service. That the goal is, you know, it's to serve him. And that the reward is therefore a reward for service. That Jesus calling us into relationship is so that he can help us serve, serve him, serve God. Other people might kind of nuance that a little bit and say, no, you know what? Relationship with Jesus is so that he can minister and serve in and through us. And that's true. But what is Paul getting at? Because when you become a Christian, when Christ comes into your life, into your heart, and he begins to mold you and shape you, transforming you, everything becomes new. 
Everything that you see is new. And it pushes you. It pushes you towards that one thing. And the question is, well, what is it? And Paul says here, Paul says here, right here in this verse that we're talking about, he says, there is really, there's only one thing I'm after. And he calls it the prize. But what is the prize? Well, it's found in verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. And he, what he's implying by that is that I want to know Christ more and more. That's what he's meaning by that. I want to Christ, know Christ more and more. There is this consuming passion that he wants more of that. Do you have a desire to know Christ more? Not just simply know more about him, but to actually know him more personally, more intimately. Because Paul says, this is the ultimate. Knowing God is not just the goal of life. It is life. That's why Jesus was sent, so that you would have it. One central thing in life, to know him more and more. As Jerry Organ's personalized license plate depicts, one goal. One goal. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for, wow. Thank you for sending your son so that, yes, we would have opportunity to have it. That we would have opportunity and based upon your invitation that you are inviting us, that you are drawing us, that you are in pursuit of us, all of that, Lord, it's so that we can come to know you personally, not just know about you, but to know you personally. Thank you for, wow, thank you for the wonderful, the gift, the sacrifice that Jesus has made to make that possible. And Lord, in, in a world that we live in that, wow, is trying to pull us in this direction and that direction and trying to, to distract us from this or that or saying that, wow, it all starts with, starts with me, it starts with you. Thank you for the reality of your truth, Lord, that you have always, you've been in pursuit of us. You have been after us. You come looking for us because you value us so much. Each person here matters so much to you that you are welcoming and drawing each one of us into a personal relationship in knowing you. Help us, Lord, we pray, going forward that we would have that one goal, that we would make it a priority, that we would be in pursuit and taking hold of that which you have taken hold of us, that we would come to know you more and more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.